look at 2 Peter chapter number 3 tonight. If you've got your Bible, 2 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, we'll look at these t- uh, passages together. You know, for being a cold and starting to snow night, I'm, I'm really surprised how many of you came out to church tonight. I mean, I'm not saying that you're unspiritual, but man, you braved the weather tonight. I'm excited. I think we should just stay here all night. Hey, these pews are comfortable to sleep on. You can do it. You won't get up the next morning, but you could get a little bit of sleep maybe. I don't know. But anyway, thanks again for me tonight. I won't be long as normal. And, uh, but I do want to give you this thought. Look at 2 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, churchmen, can I ask the blessing on this word before we start? Father, thank you again for letting us be in church tonight. Would you again please feed us from your word? Thank you again for being our great God, what was sung a moment ago. Father, may we from our heart thank you again for your name and all that you've done for us. Lord, again, forgive us where we fail you. Please help us tonight. Lord, each and every one of us, speak to us in a real way. Help us in an understanding of the scriptures. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, I mean, in 2 Peter chapter number 3, can I give you the, the, where we're going tonight first? And then uh, allow me, if you give me liberty to preach tonight uh, throughout this chapter, if I can. 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter here is writing uh, his second letter. <clears throat> and uh, he almost really comes across as a pastor talking to his people. It's very interesting that in this passage, and Lord permitting, we'll look at all four of them. But four times he uses the statement, beloved, and he's talking in that kinship uh, being uh, part of the family of God, beloved. There was, a, there was a compassion, a love for the people as Peter is writing this under the inspiration of God. But the message I want to preach tonight is on this subject tonight, twisting scripture. And I want to just tell you, I, I've, honestly, I never really thought of this before, and I'm sure many a person have already have seen this, but Peter specifically is talking about people who was twisting scripture, and he used the word scripture when he says it. And I want you to look at this passage, and really the message comes from four verses, but I want to, again, tie the whole passage together. So let's look at the thought first, and then we're going to come back and look at the passage. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, and I want you to jump down in your Bible, and uh, let's see here, let me look and find here, here, verse number 16, I believe it is, it is, all right? So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16 says this, as also in all his epistles, man, I hate just jumping in the middle of this here, but I'm going to anyway, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them, now his epistles being Paul's epistles, we know that from the previous verse. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to, under, to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, what's the next word? All right, now that word rest means twist. It's very, very interesting. Now there's a few other definitions with it, but it means to distort or to turn from the truth or to twist or to pervert something. And that's, and look what he, it's interesting that Peter, when he's writing this, calls Paul's letters Scripture. Now look what he says here. Look at your Bible again. I'm going I'm to read verse 15 and 16, and then we'll we still might, uh, continue backwards. Verse 15, and it says in verse uh, 15, I'm going to start verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 14. I'm going to start in verse 1 in a minute, but let's just start with verse 14, all right? Wherefore, beloved, there's the word again, it's the third time it's used. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the loving, long-suffering of our Lord uh, is salvation, even of our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, meaning twist, as they do also the other, what's the word? Scriptures under their own destruction. Now, I, I'm speaking to Wednesday night crowd, so I know I'm speaking to the choir, but let's just, let's just say what I'm thinking. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, meaning complete, 
maybe perfect. And can I, can, can I just again uh, go back to that first phrase, not some, but all scripture is given by God, all, all scripture. In other words, we have an inspired book, and I believe it's a preserved inspired book, okay? So inspired means God breathed, which means the book we hold in our hand, God spoke those words through holy men of God, which spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, and then God preserved his word. We know that from Psalm chapter number 12, I think it's verse number 7 and 8, that God's word is purified and how he's preserved that from, from that generation to every generation. So we have a preserved word of God. Church, I'm going to just be real clear. If that's not the Bible, what are we doing here tonight? If that's not the book, why are we trying to raise our children for God? This, is, this would be an utter waste and ridiculous if we did not believe this was the very word of God. And the problems that we have really with... Christians as well as even lost people is the idea of trying to take scripture and twisting it to make it say what they want it to say. Now listen, I want to tell you something. The pulpit is not a whipping box, but the pulpit is also not something to be able to say what we want it to say. All right? How many times have I said, I, more important than being a Baptist, now this is, this is really scare some people saying that statement, more important than being a Baptist is being a New Testament Christian. In other words, following the New Testament pattern that God has given us as far as living our lives. So tonight, can I just walk through this? And I'm going to come to this last part tonight in these last four verses because it all goes together of what Paul was, Peter, I'm sorry, was trying to tell the brethren here about this idea of not twisting scripture. And there's a reason why. I will come to that. Can I just point out the four beloveds tonight? Again, tying this together. Look at verse number one now, chapter number three. Peter says this, this second epistle, beloved. He says, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful. So the first beloved, he says, listen, I just, beloved, I want you to be mindful. I want you to think about what I'm about to tell you. Now, what is he going to tell them? Look at verse number two again. That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy, what's the word? And of the commandments of us, the what? All right, so church, let me think for a moment. Old Testament prophets, New Testament apostles, what he's trying to say is all the scriptures. He says, listen, he goes on to say of the Lord and Savior, verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, what kind of people? Scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, so what are the scoffers going to say? Where is the promise of his coming? In other words, you, you tell us the Lord's coming back. When's it going to happen? Now, I don't think Peter here is talking about the rapture. He's talking about the second coming of Christ. And we're not getting into prophecy tonight. Second coming of Christ, we come back on white horses at the Battle of Armageddon. And the millennium takes place for a thousand years with the Christ. Then you have the Battle of Gog and Magog. And then, of course, we're forever with the Lord. Look what he says next, though. All right. In verse number four, he says, For since the fathers fell asleep, since our fathers who taught us had died, fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So what are they trying to say? Going back to the question, where is the promise of his coming? What type of person says that? Scoffers. Scoffers. Look what he says next in verse number five. For, they, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and that the earth standing out of the water and in the water, creation, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water, perish, that's the flood, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto, the day, unto, uh, unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So in verse number one, verses numbers one through seven, he's saying, listen, beloved, I want you to be mindful of this. The Lord is coming back. And there are scoffers that say the Lord's not coming back, but he is gonna come back. And he says, just like the Lord created the world and he destroyed it by water, 
he's also allowing the word by his word, God's word, to exist, but it, then it will be destroyed by fire, all right, which is the tribulation period. Look what he says next, verse number uh, eight. The first beloved is be mindful, beloved. Next one. But beloved, be not ignorant. So first of all, he says, hey, listen, here's some things you need to be thinking about. Be mindful. Now he says, here's some things you shouldn't be ignorant of, not have knowledge of. Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his, what's the word? Now what he's saying, where did that word come from? It came from verse number four. What are the scoffers saying in verse number four? What did they say? Where is the promise of his coming? So Peter makes reference to that now in verse number seven. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Church family, is the Lord coming back, yes or no? Yes. As far as the rapture, could it happen right now? Yes. Lord, we could be caught up together with the Lord and meet him in the air, and we're gonna be gone for seven years when tribulation period takes place. We're coming back on white horse for second coming. Peter says, hey, listen, God's not slack concerning his promise. He knew what he promised, he's gonna fulfill. But why is it not fulfilled yet? Look again at your Bible again in verse number nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Now, you know the rest. Let's read it together. Verse 9. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, the way I look at that is, guess why the Lord hadn't come back yet? Because he wants people to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. I was talking to Brother Stanley here by text this week, and this, uh, the idea of Calvinism, you know, it's like, to me, it's, I call it the ones and twos. All the ones are going to go get saved and go to heaven. All the twos are going to go to hell. You have no choice in the matter. If you're a one, you automatically get to go to heaven. If you're two, you automatically go to hell. And I just want to tell you, that's not predestination. Predestination means that we have a God who's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the whosoever wills, and he also knows the whosoever wants. He knows the person who's going to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior, and the person who won't accept the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior. But can I just tell you that the reason the second coming hasn't came, come, come back yet, he's not slack concerning his promise. So why hasn't he come back? Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are you saved tonight? Say amen. amen. You're not saved because you came to church tonight. You're saved because Jesus died on the cross for your sin, and you, by your own uh, will, you accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Amen? Look what he says next, all right? That's again, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this one thing. Uh, for time's sake, let's just jump to the next one, okay? We could, we could read this whole chapter here, but look at, uh, let's pick it up verse number 11, all right? Verse number 11, here's what he says. Seeing then that, oh, I'm gonna have to read verse 10, I'm sorry. It's all ties together. There. It's almost like a link in a chain. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. Not maybe, not shall, or not maybe, or hope so, will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements uh, shall meet with fervent heat. The earth also with the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What things? All right. Hey, y'all okay tonight? All right. My wife, she hates it when I ask questions, and I don't give you enough information because it makes it look like you don't know what's going on, and I'm really sorry about that. All right but it's in your Bible, all right? If you have a Bible, we'll be okay tonight. So here's what he's saying in that verse, in verse number 11, when he says, seeing then all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Okay, so when he says, and seeing what, what things? Verse number 10, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Hey, church family, can I tell you, all these things that we're living for right now are all going to burn up. Amen. Gone. 
Now, thankfully, we're going to be raptured out of here when all this stuff starts burning up because during the tribulation period, they're going to go through the sealed judgments. They're going to go through the trumpet judgments. They're going to go through the vile judgments. I mean, people are going to die. And this place is going to be burned up. So what he's trying to say in verse number 11, then what kind of manner of conversation, what, what kind of manner of behavior should a Christian have knowing that all this is burning up? It's not about my car, my house, my job. It's not about my 401k. It's all going to burn. So knowing that, what does he say in verse number 11? Seeing then that all these things, in other words, are going to be dissolved, all the things that we're living in for, almost to a degree, what manner of person ought you to be? All right, can I tell you what kind of person we ought to be? We ought to be a Christian looking toward heaven and not be so consumed with things of this earth, but be consumed with him. And more than that, going back to verse number nine, he's not willing that any should perish. We should be thinking about lost people. People who are going to die without Christ. All right, look what he says in verse number 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. All right, the next beloved, verse 14, wherefore beloved. The first beloved, he says in verse number one, beloved, hey listen, I want you to be mindful of this. The next one is verse number eight, beloved, be not ignorant. Verse number 14, wherefore beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. In other words, hey, listen, hey, I want you to understand the Lord's coming back. All is going to burn up. We should be busy about our master's business. He says, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Now, church, I mean, here's the message tonight, verse 16, 17, and 18. He says, and as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, under their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, what's the next word? Beware. All right, so the last one, he says, beloved, you need to be concerned about what I'm talking about here. You need to be on guard. Beware about these people who rest the scriptures. They they twist the scriptures. Trishman, can I just remind you that the reason there's all these other different religions, it, yes, it's the devil, but can I tell you, it's more than that. It's people taking scripture and twisting them. How can so many people be deceived to go into a false cult or a false religion and act like because they have a Bible that they're using scripture, but the problem is they're twisting the scripture to say what they wanted to say. Trishman, right. scripture always interprets scripture. Scripture always has one literal meaning, but several applications to that verse. It can't, mean, it can't mean three or four different things. When it was written, it meant one thing. All right, now tonight, um, I will not do justice to this verse, and we do not have the time to be able to talk to it in length tonight. So let me just pull out just a couple things to make you, make you, get you think about this tonight. So for instance, okay, Church of Christ believes in baptismal regeneration. Baptismal regeneration says that you have to be baptized in order to be saved, okay? Church, I mean, we don't believe that because there's too much scripture that shows it's not my baptism that saves me, it's my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that saves me. Are, are we all together so far? Now, tonight, if we walk through the scriptures, we're going to find out, Mark 16, 16, they say, he that believed and is baptized shall be saved. But that they won't go to the next phrase where it says, but he that believeth not shall be, da shall, shall be damned. Church, I mean, do you understand that you cannot take one verse of scripture and make it say what you wanted to say when scripture all interprets scripture? All right. Should you get baptized once you get saved? Yes. 
All right? I always get a kick. I met one person, and, they, and there's always an excuse because if you're going to believe something, you've got to figure out how you're going to believe it. What do you do with the thief on the cross? They didn't pull him down and baptize him. But you understand that there's, there's always going to be somebody that will take a scripture. And by the way, sometimes on the surface that scripture looks like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. But, all right, for instance, Acts number 2, where it talks about to, uh, uh, that you might be, uh, believe and be baptized. And we'll quote it exact. Be baptized, it says, for the remission of sins. Well, by, the, by that phrase, it looks like that I have to be baptized for, for my sins to be remitted. But that same word for in the Greek can either mean for or because. And because Scripture interprets Scripture, my sins are not remitted because of my baptism. I get baptized because my sins have been remitted. Are, are you all with me tonight? Amen. Listen, I know that we could do a, a lengthy Bible study on a lot of different areas of Scripture where a person takes a piece of Scripture, and what has happened is they have twisted that Scripture. What are we accused of the most? I say us, sometimes as New Testament Baptist Church. One of the biggest things that churches are accused of is that you're a legalist. Right? And if you haven't heard that, I mean, eventually, every once in a while, somebody will come through, or you'll be door knocking, and someone will say, well, you're a legalist. Amen. Now, church family, Apostle Paul dealt with legalism again and again and again and again because there were Jews that were trying to say, if you're going to be saved, it's belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and obeying the Mosaic law. That's legalism. If there's anything that says I have to obey the law or do the law for salvation, then that's legalism. Now, church family, you know what, the, you know what people want to say that we're legalists? Well, your ladies wear dresses, or your people tithe, or, or you know, your, your people go to church. All right, number one, they're not our people. We're all God's people, okay? But can I tell you, there is no action that is necessary for salvation except belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. So for a person to say that you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have to do this, this, and this, and this, they're twisting Scripture. They're twisting Scripture. There's nothing that we have to do in order to be saved. Jesus did it all on the cross of Calvary. So what Peter is saying here, or there are people who rest Scripture, and what they do is they take a piece of Scripture and they twist it to say what they want to say. We've been having conversations at our house during family altar, and I've also had the same conversations, I don't know if it was college or somebody else, but there's a lot of things going on in the era that we're living in right now with our young people that are growing up that are teenagers and in their 20s that are growing up right now that are questioning all the things that they've been taught when they were raised in their church in their church in their home and they're questioning well is that really true is that really right i don't think i really have to do that and they're throwing they're throwing their standard bible-based standards out the window because people are excusing those standards by twisting scripture I went ahead and brought home from my family altar this, I, I, we, I've always had a variety of things, but we've been stuck with one for a long time, so because there have been so many questions, I brought home my, I brought years ago that book on um, biblical standards, and so we're going through a page at a time, and so the first night, I said, you guys, you guys can pick, I was going to go through it in order, because I'm very much, da 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 da, -da. and, but they, they picked one out, and to be honest with you, we, we talked for 40 minutes, just because I'm just telling you, this era that we're living in right now, we have young people that are just questioning. And if we don't show them from the Bible, thus saith the Lord, and it's just that, oh, I don't think you should do that, we're, we're, these kids aren't going to stay in church. That's right. That's right. By the way, if they decide not to stay in church, and there it's very clear in Scripture, there's a heart problem there. It's not a parent problem. The responsibility of the parent is to show them from the Bible that the reason we're doing what we're doing is because the Bible says this. Church family, can I just tell you, I can't tell you how many people when they leave church and they get out of church because of being backslidden, well, I never believe that anyway. 
You know, the church there, they only do that because the pastor tells them to. I want to tell you something. A person that wants, that, get, that gets out of sorts with God, they're going to rest the scriptures. They're going to twist the scripture to say what they want it to say. Listen, church family, I don't have a Bible verse for this, so I'm going to just tell you the difference between a Bible verse and a conviction, okay? Can I just tell you that you ought to center your life around the church? And I know you're, I know you're hearing this from the Baptist preacher, but can I just tell you something? Kids ought to get married at church. Amen. You marry at church, you get buried at, at a church. Your life should be centered around the church. We have activities at the church. I'm just trying to tell you, we've got a whole group of kids that are coming through this era that we're living in right now. Everything's done outside the church, and I'm going to tell you why. No accountability. I can do what I want, act like I want, dress like I want, and no one's going to tell me what to do. Your life should be centered around the church. Amen. And what happens is, is we've taken Scripture, and we've used Scripture to say what we want. All right? Now, follow me for just a second here. And listen, tonight's message is not to be offensive tonight. Again, I hope you understand my heart. I'm not attacking the false religions tonight. I'm not going to do that. The Scripture tells us why we believe what we believe. We don't have to attack uh, Satan. The armor is because Satan attacks us. All right? My, uh, my kids in that uh, meeting that we were, uh, actually it was devotions, a family altar, didn't it? Family altar got brought up. One of the questions was, you know, the idea of piercings. And, and, uh, and I said, well, listen, if we're going to say that piercings are wrong, then the same verse we use for piercings out of the book of Leviticus also says you're not supposed to get tattooed. Now, can I just tell you, tattoos and piercings do not send anybody to hell. You don't have to get quiet on me tonight, church family. All right, if we're going to go back to what does the Bible say, then we need to teach them. It's almost like the first time came to this, somebody came to this church and I preached against, the, against divorce and just said, hey, listen, you shouldn't get a divorce. They were, again, the story's been from years on by. But that person that walked out, they thought, oh, man alive, we can't be members here. Church family, there's no telling. I don't know what the percentage is today, but at that time, we had 30, 40% of the church family, they had been divorced. Can I just tell you, divorce doesn't determine whether or not you're going to go to hell or not. It's your salvation in Jesus Christ. But we cannot get around the fact that God gave us a book not only to show us the way to heaven, but to show us the way to live. Amen. Listen to me tonight. There's enough churches and enough pulpits that are not willing to talk about things that now are not politically correct. There was a day that everything we talked about was politically correct. The last service, I mentioned that a Christian ought not to be going to a going to movie theater. I'm just trying to tell you that we've got a generation of kids today, they see nothing wrong with a movie theater. Nothing. Preachers used to get up and preach the word of God with no hesitation. If you're a fella, you ought to cut your hair like a man. If you're a lady, you ought to let your, let your hair grow. The Bible doesn't say how long is long, but goodness gracious, you shouldn't look like a man. A preacher, was, a preacher used to be able to get up and say, listen, there's an attire for a man and there's an attire for a woman. I'm just telling you that our young people are really having a hard time deciphering, is it really wrong for a woman to wear pants? Church family, it's not what the church says. It's not what the pastor says. We have to go back to what the book says. Does the Bible say it's right or wrong? And I want to tell you something. Listen to me tonight. This is not a time for us to compare. It's not a time for us for con condemning. It's a matter of our children growing up to understand why am I doing what I'm doing? They are going to hear from all the other people that their age, and they're going to use scripture to try to defend why what they're doing is okay. Church family, this is nothing new. Peter wrote about it 1,500 years ago that there were people in the church that would rest the scriptures. They didn't say rest the church. They didn't say rest the preacher. They didn't say twist what was... They said there are going to be people who are going to twist... People in the church are going to twist what the scripture says. 
Church family, again, I'm not telling you that you don't know, okay? I've been here 27 years. I know there's things that I know, I know you think I'm crazy in a lot of areas, but the good thing is I don't judge you. Amen. I don't condemn you. I don't humiliate you because that's not me. And that's not, and that's not what the preacher's supposed to do. He's supposed to preach the word, whatever the Holy Spirit does inside of our hearts. That's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do. Let's just listen to me. If the pastor has to bring conviction to you, that's zero conviction. But you sit in a service and the pastor preaches on prayer and the Holy Spirit's telling you something completely opposite as prayer. It, it's undeniable that the Lord's doing something through his word and through the Holy Spirit of God in my life. You know, I know that everybody in here doesn't believe this and it doesn't matter to me because I, I've always felt this way that I'm not supposed to be around open alcohol, okay? And I, I, I would say... I don't even know what percentage, but I would say probably the majority of the church doesn't, that you don't believe that as a personal conviction. It doesn't bother me whatsoever, okay? But what you can't separate is from the pastor, from what he believes, from the scripture. So my kids, I, all my kids are not going to have that conviction. I mean, I hope they do, but I don't think they will. But I don't have to make my children have a certain conviction, but if I have convictions just like you have convictions, you should teach those convictions to your children based upon the scriptures, Remember, you remember me telling you the story about my dad. He thought pleated pants on fellows was wrong, and he thought wire rim glasses was wrong. Now, he had a whole lot of other things he thought was wrong, too. My dad was from the really, really, really old school, all righty? I still to this day don't wear pleated pants, but I don't have any scripture that can back that up, all righty? Dad used to say back then, you know, girls have pleats on skirts, then guys shouldn't have pleats on their pants, okay? So... You know, there's nothing that says pleated pants are wrong. If you have pleated pants, like, there's not a scripture for that. Zero, all righty? I think there is a scripture about weird socks, though, but anyway. All right. <laughs> need to have black socks on, amen? All right. I wear wire-rim glasses. I wear wire-rim glasses from the pulpit. I, I don't have a conviction that wire-rim. Back then, he just thought it was a fad that, you know, as far as wire-rim glasses, it was a worldly thing, and a person shouldn't wear wire-rim glasses. That's what Dad said. But I could never find a verse that wire room glasses were wrong, and I couldn't even find out that it was really a fad. In heaven, they don't have any glasses. Amen. Don't have to worry about it. Well, all I'm trying to tell you tonight is simply this. It's, it's not a matter of Satan saying, throw the book out, the Bible's wrong, get rid of it, it doesn't mean anything. That's not what's going to kill us. It's twisting scripture. It's twisting scripture. It's making scripture say what we want it to say because that's what we want to do. Now, there's three types of people in that verse that shows why a person twists scripture. And I'm going to look at the three and we'll be done. They all start with the letter U. They're all in that same verse. Look at verse number 16. Here's what he says, <clears throat> verse number 16. As also in also his, in, uh, and, I'm sorry, as also in all his, Paul's epistles, his epistles, speaking in, the, in them of these things in which are some things hard to be, what's the word? Understood, which they that are, what's the word? And what? Rest. The reason people twist scripture to make it say what they want it to say, or what, to be honest with you, the first one to me is really not a person that is a villain. I don't know, I just, I think sometimes if I'm not careful, I feel like that the, the false religion is the enemy and they're not the enemy. The enemy is Satan. I want to tell you something, whether you like it or not, you're going to find a lot of good people who are Mormons and Jehovah's Witness and Catholic. I said good people. 
we understand that it's not our works that get us to heaven. You talk to a Roman Catholic, they're going to tell you that there's three ways a person, three things that show us our salvation. They're going to say it's the Word of God. They're going to say it's the Catholic Church tradition, and they're going to say it's the Pope. They call it the three-pronged three prong system. That the Pope it can speak ex cathedra, which means he cannot uh, tell, tell wrong. Church tradition is based upon the church fathers as far as what they put together in their catechisms. And the third thing is actually the King James Bible. It's the Word of God. But church family, the reason their religion is wrong is because it's not just Jesus Christ, though they got him on a statue on a cross. It's not just Jesus Christ. It's the works that you have to do also. My Bible's pretty clear. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. My Bible's pretty clear, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works. So because of that, yes, Roman Catholicism is wrong. If you believe the teachings of Roman Catholicism, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. But that doesn't make us against those who are Roman Catholic. If anything, it ought to do, is going back to verse number 9, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that that Roman Catholic sees the light and they get saved. So can I just tell you from the first one, the reason people twist scripture is because they simply don't understand. They don't understand. Now, isn't it interesting? <laughs> you know, of course, Paul, he wrote like the lawyer under the inspiration of God, under his personality. He wrote like the lawyer. Peter, he writes like a dumb fisherman. That's why I like the book of Peter. I mean, he puts it on the bottom shelf, easy to understand. But he, remember what Peter says about Paul's writing. Hey, some of you have taken, this is what he's saying. Some of you have taken, have taken Paul's writings and because you don't understand them, you twist them. Now, I want to tell you that in the scripture, there are certain people that are just not going to understand the word of God. All right, now let me say, first of all, again, I, I, you can look at the scriptures later, I guess, if you want. We can do a thorough Bible study. But Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things that God, that God has the secret things. And then the, there's the revealed things. It's all in the same verse, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Can I just tell you that the reason sometimes people don't understand is because they're a secret. God never intended for us to know, though it's in the scripture for whatever reason the Holy Spirit of God put it in there. There are the secret things in scripture. There are the revealed things in scriptures according to Deuteronomy 29, 29. So can I just tell you something? Sometimes the person takes something that's supposed to be a secret. For instance, okay, sometimes... So I don't mean to bore you tonight. I hope you all will be. Are still okay tonight? All right. It's snowing outside. You're not going anywhere. All right? I think there's six inches out there. You're okay, all right? Some people get confused when the Bible's talking about the church and when the Bible's talking about the nation of Israel. And sometimes they, they confuse the two and they try to say the things that God was talking to Israel about are things that God was talking to the church about. And it's just because they, they don't understand. Can I tell you there are certain things that God does not make clear? Listen, one of the biggest problems people are having today with the Old Testament is simply this. Oh, I, I, don't, believe, I don't believe anything in the Old Testament. That was all part of the old law. I only believe the New Testament. Church family, you have to get straight in your mind that when you look at the Old Testament, specifically the first five books, you have to understand that there was a ceremonial law, there was a dietary law, and there was a moral law. If you would just look at it that way, that the ceremonial law was completely done away with, with Jesus' death on the cross. He came to fulfill the law. He fulfilled it when he died on the cross. How many is glad we don't have to bring a lamb for every sin that we commit now? Some of you need a big herd is what you would have needed. <laughs> the dietary law. Paul, Apostle Paul clarified that very much. Now listen, I know that if you follow the dietary law, it's probably a whole lot more healthy. But you're me there, scripturally, I don't think there's anything wrong with eating pork. But if, you, if you're fully persuaded in your mind that you shouldn't eat pork because it's part of the dietary law, that's fine. Apostle Paul said it wasn't wrong to do that. But when he came to the New Testament, all things are lawful for me. 
but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So when it comes to the dietary law that was for the Jews, it doesn't mean I can't have a piece of bacon or 10 pieces of bacon. The kids had green beans today in the line where they were being fed, and I was there helping feed the line. So first person would come through, I'd give them a thing of beans, and I'd pull out a piece of bacon. Next person come on, I gave him a scoop of beans, and I pulled out a piece of bacon out of there. Man, was it good. I know that's not very healthy, but it was good. I mean, like, really good. All right, so what I'm trying to say is there was a dietary law, okay? There was a ceremonial law, but I want to tell you something. Moral law does not change. You know what the problem is? People are resting scripture. Church, I mean, if the Bible says in the Old Testament or the New Testament that this was an abomination to God, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. If it's an abomination then, it's an abomination now. So what, why do people twist scriptures? To be honest with you, Paul, Peter said it very, very clearly. The reason people rest scripture and twist scripture is because they simply do not understand. I think the reason they don't understand is because some things are secret. I think the reason people don't understand is according to 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 14. Now, church, I'm not having you turn to the scriptures tonight because for the most part, I would imagine you've already know them and maybe some of the versions you know by heart. But in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 14, think about what the Bible says. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I can't ask you to answer that because it's not a one-word answer, but why does a lost person not understand the Scripture? You try to tell them why you go to church, or why you tithe, or why you dress, or live, or do whatever you want, and they look at you like you're some weirdo off of some other planet, can I just tell you, the Bible says the natural man, who is an unsaved man, cannot know them, cannot understand the Scripture because they're spiritually discerned. In other words, they don't have the Holy Spirit of God in them to enlighten them, to help them understand the Scriptures. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. So why does a person twist the Scripture? Church, I mean, remember when we were having problems with as far as us going to church during the COVID thing? Oh, my goodness. Did you all see on Friday they're going to make everybody wear masks again in Douglas County? I didn't mean to discourage you tonight. What a wonderful Douglas County that we live in. So thankful of our health officials who, as they said, are so concerned about us that there is a potential outbreak. And so all of us, because it could happen, Arvin Friday, need to wear your mask. It just touches me. Right about, right about here. This is stupid. A potential outbreak in Douglas County. Everybody has to wear a mask. But church, I know, I know I'm going to be facetious tonight and maybe get a little bit off course. You want to wear a mask, come to church, wear a mask, which you want, okay? But I'm an American. I've got to be careful not to get too sideways here. Because obviously we're going back to what does the scripture say? I just wish I had a verse, thou shalt not wear a mask. <laughs> just wish. But do you remember when we had the, uh, when all of this was going to start and they said, listen, you can't come to church unless 10 people are, uh, only 10 people can come and you can't be together and we were going to have church anyway, anyway. 
You remember when all those newspaper uh, news reporters would come and they videoed, videoed the, and they put us on television and, and they did their articles? And I, listened, I wanted to meet to every one of them. To be honest with you, it was one of the rare times. I didn't want to hide. But you know, I cannot tell you how many times the different reporters would say this. Doesn't your Bible say that you should love your neighbor as yourself? I want to tell you, you talked about twisting scripture. They had me on television one time they did that. Oh, I was so glad. Doesn't your Bible say that uh, <clears throat> you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself? I said, I'm glad you said that. Because I want to tell you something. The Bible says before that, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. Come on. Oh, it felt so good. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you that people will use Scripture for whatever they want to use it for. And one of the reasons they do it is because they don't understand. Amen. Don't understand. Look at the second one. I got to hustle this morning or this evening, all right? The first one he says, listen, the reason that they rest Scripture or twist Scripture because they don't understand. I'll read the verse again, verse 16. And also, in all his epistles, speaking in them, in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are, what's the next one? Unlearned. Church, that word unlearned actually means ignorant. You know, I, you know, I know sometimes, again, if I can say this kind of the same way again, sometimes we get so, uh, if we're not careful, mean-spirited about what we believe. Church family, remember, it's not our position that people don't like, it's our disposition people don't like. Speak the truth in love. Amen. We're not against people. But, you know, one of the reasons people twist scriptures is because they just simply are ignorant. They don't know because they're unlearned. What does the verse say? Study to show thyself approved unto the church, God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly. Why are we supposed to study? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Church, a person would not have a problem with twisting scripture if they would just study the Bible. So he says, listen, the reason they're twisting scripture is because, first of all, they don't understand, but second of all, because they're unlearned. The word unlearned is mentioned six times in Scripture. One of those times, it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. You know, sometimes people bring up things by trying to use a verse of Scripture that, number one, is not clear in Scripture, or it's a secret thing in Scripture, or in some cases, it has nothing to do with what that verse is saying. That's why we read things in context. Just remember, we read the whole chapter tonight, all right? Brother, is Daniel, Brother Daniel's in here tonight? Is he in? Okay. He can hear what I'm saying. Are y'all warm tonight? I, it might be because I'm going long and because you worked hard, but it's a little bit, I think, it's a little bit warm in here to you. It's warmer up there. But did you know now, we, uh, they have these programmable now. So he's listening to me. Turn me down about five degrees in here. Don't you love technology? How many feel cooler already? I know some of you are thinking, how do we turn that guy off up in the front? <laughs> hey, I want to tell you why people twist scriptures. Number one is because they don't understand. Number two, because they're unlearned. Church, I mean, why do you hear us over and over and over? Make sure that you read your Bible and pray. The reason is, is that you don't get messed up with some false doctrine because of just simply not knowing the scriptures. It's important to read the Bible and to study the word of God. All right, look at the last one. He says, first of all, they don't understand. Second of all, they're unlearned. And last of all, they're unstable. 
He says in verse number 16, he says, which some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. Now, excuse me, this one word to me really opens up because of another scripture. And that other scripture is the book of James when he says in James 1 verse number 8, a double-minded man is what? Yeah, and not just unstable, unstable in all his ways. Now think about this in James 1, verse number 8. If a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and the person or the attribute that is given to the person who twists Scripture is unstable, guess what kind of person twists Scripture? A person who's double-minded. Now, church, remember that word double-minded means vacillating. It means goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Back. I want to tell you something. As long as you are not... I'm not going to turn to the right hand or to the left. This is what the Word of God says. This is the direction I'm going. I'm not going to get sidetracked with anything else. That's the person that doesn't have to worry about twisting Scripture. The person who has worries about, twi- listen to me tonight, the person who has to worry about twisting Scripture is the person who wants to get on the Internet to try to find out what the other side is saying. Church family, you don't have to play devil's advocate. I've got the truth. It's called the Word of God. Listen to me tonight. I don't have to read the Book of Mormon to find out what a Mormon believes. I have to know the truth. I have to know the truth. I don't have to go read the Roman Catholic Church tradition catechism to be able to find out what a Catholic believes. Guess what I need to do? I need to read the Word of God. You know why a double-minded man is unstable in his way? Now, the reason people twist scriptures is because what happens is they are so movable with every wind of doctrine, and what happens is, well, maybe it's really saying this. It's twisting scripture. Listen, young people, you college students, you, you people, and you're, you're growing up in the, in the church here, and you're hearing it again and again and again. One of these days, there's not going to be a pastor hangs behind the pulpit. God's going to have another pastor for this church because God loves his church more than he loves the person as far as the pastor. He has a person, a pastor for every church. God's going to have somebody here. But I'm going to just try to tell you something here. We need to have some young people that will get away from what does the man say? What does the book say? You know, I'm, uh, I'm 52. Uh, if the Lord would allow us to have kids when we first got married, my kids would be more, all my kids would be more at marrying age, maybe married, maybe more grandchildren. But um, I understand that my kids are not going to duplicate me in every area of my life, and I'm very thankful for that because I, I don't want my kids to be me. I want my kids to be better than me Amen. in every area. But my kids are all going to have to make a choice and I can't, I can't change that once they're out of the house. Now, when they're in my house, they, they do what I say. Amen. Amen. They're going to dress like I say. They're going to go where I say they can go. And if they don't like it, they can leave. And I know that sounds pretty bad and sounds pretty rough. But I'm just telling you, it's just the way it is because God made me the dad. Amen. But the day is going to come, and I hope that I'll always have a good relationship with my children, every one of them. But the day is going to come as they get married and they leave that uh, I'm no longer the authority. God's always the supreme authority, but when it comes to my daughters, whoever they marry, that's the authority in their life, their husband. My sons, when they leave my house, you know, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I think I alluded to this in another service, 
There are, a lot of, there are some preachers that think that if your kids grow up in your home and they get married or leave your house and they still mess up, that you're supposed to get out of ministry. And they take that from 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old and not depart from it. I go back to the qualifications of the pastor that one of the qualifications is that he is supposed to be able to rule his own house. And if he cannot rule his own house, how can he rule the house of God? Well, if you're ruling your own house, then they have to be in my house. I can't rule my kids once they're married or once they're gone. And church, I mean, my kids are going to do, they could, and they, they probably do. They, they're going to do things when they get out. And I want to tell you something. If they're in my home and they're not, and they're living a double life or something, I want to know about it because we're not going to do that. So while they're in my house, they live by my convictions my convictions, what I'm, what I, Romans chapter 14, verse number six, what I am fully persuaded in my mind that this is what I'm supposed to do. But the day is coming when they're going to leave my house. And one by one, they're going to have to decide. I hope not decide, well, this is what dad said. I hope they decide this is what the Bible says. Amen. And you know what? It's really sad. Because my children and your children, their biggest battle is not going to be another religion. Their biggest battle is going to be fellow independent Baptist kids. Can I tell you why? Because of resting scripture. Twisting scripture. That's going to be their biggest battle. Well, dad always told us that, you know, can I just say it for the ones who've never heard me say it before? I was 16, about 16 years of age. Dad had, some, Dad had all kinds of convictions and standards. And at age 16, I wanted to know what I was really going to believe. And I sat down, still have it, a spiral notebook. And I went from page to page. At the top of the page, I wrote down what the conviction was. And then I pulled out a strong concordance because there were no computers back then <laughs> or cell phones. And uh, I would go through the strong concordance and I'd figure out. And I'd, then I would write out, hand write out, every Bible verse that backed up that conviction. Then I'd go to the next page, Dad taught us this, and I'd pull, well, to be honest with you, some of those things, I couldn't really find a Bible verse. I think Dad thought everything was wrong. <laughs> but I want to tell you, at age 16, I'm sure glad I did it. Because you know what? I really believe some of the things I believe today started when I was 16. Because at 16, I figured out, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Young people, I, I, feel, I feel bad for some of you because you're so lost. Not for salvation. You're, you're lost in your mind. This is you. Look at me now. You guys get your heads up. Look at me. You children, I mean. This is you. You just do what you're told, and then you're supposed to. But as soon as somebody is not there to tell you what you, don't tell you to do, you're told, this is you. As long as somebody's watching you, telling you what to do, you're, that's, all you, that's all you are. You have not decided in your own mind, I'm a Christian, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. What is his will for my life? Riley, stand up for a second if you don't mind. I like these work clothes he's got on, man. How old are you, Riley? Did you know he, he went to his boss? 
and told them they wanted to give him a promotion. And he told his boss, I'd like to have the promotion, but I can't miss church on Wednesday night. Amen. He's in his work clothes tonight because they let him off to come to, come to church. Amen. His pastor didn't make him do that. His mother did not make him do that. I'm proud of him. I'm thankful that something clicked in his mind, that this is not just something we do. It's, it's re God's real to me. I know Riley's not perfect. Are you perfect? I didn't think so. All right. But at 19 years old, when he could be working a secular job and nobody would probably ever say anything because he's trying to make a living to support him and maybe help out with mom, but he's there to be able to take care of things at 19, we, he would not be in the service except for more than once, because it's happened on, on a second, second occasion. He goes and says, listen, I, 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 like my, I want my job. I want, and, and you just graduated with uh, diesel mechanics, automotive, uh, from Washburn, is that where it was? So he's, he's moving ahead in life, but he has something inside of his head, okay? I'm not living this life because of my parents or because of my church or because of my pastor. I live this because this is what the Bible says. Now, he could fall tomorrow. I hope you, keep, you need to pray for him. Pray that he gets a wife. That's what I pray for him. I'm telling you, there are blind girls out there. All right? Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. Church family, be careful to twist scripture. Try to make it say what you want it to say. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight for just a moment?